This is COVID Connections on the Nile Boylan Show. Classic hits. Right, every week we take a look at how we're exiting COVID-19, so to speak, and our exit plan and how businesses are going to get back up and running, how it's going to affect you and the community as well. Uh, Patrick Cribben is the CEO of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Patrick, good afternoon to you. How are you, Patrick? Uh, uh, not bad. A little bit frustrated today, Niall, because um, we have been promised that we would have all of the guidelines for reopening on yesterday. And at a quarter to eight on Monday night, I got a phone call to say they wouldn't be available. And I've just been told in the last hour or so that they're going to be a couple of more days. So very frustrated is the way I would describe. There's a lot of confusion in the industry. We had a bar owner on only last week telling us that he's a bar owner. He is going to open in the end of June with the restaurants, whether the government likes it or not. Uh, He'll have to serve crisps and peanuts if if necessary as a meal. But in saying that, he's opening because he said the confusion is ridiculous that he can't open. But yet a bar that serves a bit of food, um, either way, everyone's sitting down anyway, he said can open. So there's a massive amount of confusion. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's, it's fueled by the indifference of the authorities in not issuing the guidelines. All of the guidelines for uh, the hospitality sector were issued yesterday, with the exception of the pub trade. We were told that they were going to be available yesterday. And as I say, at, at, at a quarter to eight on Monday night, I got a, a phone call to say that they wouldn't be issued without any reason why, without any reason as to what's been looked at. Uh, and that, that creates frustration for us. It creates frustration for our members. It creates frustration for the public because they don't know and it's just not good enough. So currently at the moment, you know, there's going to be a limited amount of people or capacity. Everybody's going to have to be sitting down and socially distanced. Still two metres is the rule, although that could change to one. Um, uh, Nobody's going to be allowed to go to the bar. I spoke to somebody last night who's a DJ and he said to me, no sign of him getting back to work because there'll be low live music and no DJs. It sounds like a pretty boring night out, to be honest, which is the greatest fake public. I I, I don't necessarily agree that there'll nobody be allowed to go to the bar. and I don't necessarily agree that uh, there'll be nobody allowed to stand. We don't know those guidelines yet. Uh, So, you know, publicans are quite inventive. Uh, They've they've, uh, faced a lot of challenges in in the last decade. And, you know, they'll face these challenges. And, you know, it has to be hospitality. Uh, it's it's not a hospital context. So uh, publicans will be working their damnedest to make sure that it's a good experience for people uh, and one that they will enjoy. But they can only do that in the context of knowing, uh, you know, wh- where the goalposts are. And right now, we just don't know where the goalposts well, will are. They, will they financially survive, Patrick? Because if you're saying to a publican, you can only let 20% of your normal good Saturday night capacity in because of social distancing... I mean, how is he realistically going to make money? Because I've worked in the trade for 25 years. I've worked in nightclubs for 25 years. And you relied on your big nights, I suppose, to get the, you know, the, the best of your take or your, your cash flow for the month. It's very simple, Niall. Uh, they won't survive at two metres. They can't. We got some independent research done along with our colleagues in the LBA. And uh, that showed that from a standing start, your, your capacity is down to, a, to about 12.5%. From a sitting start... At, this is at two metres. Your capacity is down to about a third. Whereas at a one metre, that goes up to, the standing goes up to just over 50, the sitting goes up to 65. So there's, there's, there are difficulties and challenges at one metre. There is no hope for viability at two metres. And I think it's unlikely at two metres that too many places will be able to open. And if they do, 
there are too there are not too many that would be able to sustain the business. But there will be a level of personal responsibility. I mean, it's all well and good for you know Padraig the barman uh, to say to everybody, you must keep a meter apart or two meters, if the case may be, apart. But realistically, if I'm out with my mates and or I can do it with my family, and that's fine because they're my family. But if I'm with my friends on a Saturday night out. So who's going to supervise and measure how far I am away? I might only be two foot away. I might be three meters away. But like, how are we going to? Who's going to supervise this or police well, it this? Becomes, it becomes quite difficult. And of course, then you know, who's uh, if you're out with your mates on a Saturday night and you you you, you actually uh, proclaim that you you know that you're you're not just out with your mates, you're also in the one household. It becomes becomes quite a difficult scenario. So you know, there are a lot of complications. There are a lot of challenges. Uh, and um, see in a restaurant that's easy to supervise because you just set the tables a metre or two metres apart and then you know where people are sitting so that's fine but in a pub scenario it's a different situation completely it it is different but you know they're they're the kind of things that publicans will get used to and and will manage uh, but how yeah uh, when you're saying they get used to it you know what you're expected to manage yeah but when you say when you say get used to it I'm assuming you guys believe this is only temporary and this can only go on for a couple of months uh, maybe three or four max and then we have to get back as far as you're concerned from the point of view of the Vintners Association, the LVA and everybody else to the old normality where pubs can actually make money again? There are three phases in this. There's the phase that we're going through which is the lockdown phase. There's the second phase which is where we reopen with social distancing and there is a third phase exactly as you say when social distancing is no longer a requirement not just for pubs but within the community generally and there are those three phases and yes I think from everybody's point of view the sooner we get to the third phase, the better, because you know what that's saying? That's saying that, you know, we've, we've, we've crushed this virus or alternatively, we have a, a, a vaccine that will overcome the virus. Or, so, we, or, yes. or, or the final option, we just have to learn to live with it, unfortunately, and, there, and there'll be collateral damage, sadly. Uh, uh, absolutely. And, and uh, they are the realities uh, that there will be that third phase. And from everybody's point of view, the sooner it comes, the better. Okay, final question, Patrick. How long do you think the Vintners Association, the Federation or the pub, your members, can survive social distancing, even at a metre? How long do you think they can survive that financially? I think there's a fighting chance that that can be done. It will depend very much on the level of supports that are put in place. Without supports, it's, it's not feasible from well, day one. You, you heard, you Pascal, you heard Pascal O'Donoghue saying he's not going to be supporting unviable businesses. Well, no, you see, that's, that's the issue now. The businesses are viable. It's a question of getting over this hiatus until we get to a situation where, where, where there, we're back to normal. There is no business that's viable, I would have thought, right now. apart from some manufacturing businesses without supports. So the one thing that the pub business is, and it has proven over the last decade, not alone is it viable, but it creates thousands and thousands and thousands of jobs which are going to be needed into the future. And, and that's one, one last question on that point, and I'm sorry to rush you, but how many people were, were employed in, in the licensed trade? 50,000. And how many will be employed with social distancing? Are we going to with lose no, staff? Well, if it's, if it's at one metre, there will be a, a short-term scenario but as, as we, we would be hoping to get back to that 50,000 in a very short period of time. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. Padre Cribben, CEO of the Vintners Federation of Ireland. Let me go to Anita Murray, who's from the Irish Spa Association. And that's definitely one-to-one stuff when you're massaging somebody or doing a bit of beauty therapy. Anita, this is going to be difficult times for your industry too, isn't it? Your members. Hi, Niall. Thanks very much. Um, yeah, do you know, uh, we're quietly confident. We're very encouraged because we have a lot of case studies from many different countries across the world. If you look at the hardest hit countries like France and Germany and Spain, 
They've been open for weeks. Their salons and their spas are trading without any issue, without any outbreaks. And I think that what we need to remember with our sector is that we have always been a safe space and we've always had very high standards even before COVID. So when you're coming into a salon or spa environment, you know, um, that, that, that's, that's yeah, but if I'm going in for a massage and eat and I'm lying there with my face looking down through a hole and somebody has a towel over me and they're going to give me a massage that's one to one they're touching me they're close to me you know I mean will we both have to wear masks will there be a screen between us with a little hole for your hands to go through to massage me I mean how is it all going to work so basically to the, the likes of, of massage treatments again we're encouraged by looking at countries like Hong Kong who started reopening their spas months ago and basically we know COVID is, you know, its, it's transmission is, is via primarily respiratory or, or through the eyes. So once the therapist is wearing your PPE, um, the, the guest can also wear a mask. Um, a lot of the work will be done before the guest even arrives. So there'll be uh, detailed consultations. We would ask people to complete a declaration that, uh, you know, they don't have symptoms and that they haven't been, um, you know, in a country or in a household. Will they be, will they be assigning to say they do it at their own risk as well? Um, I think that yeah. would be a natural thing to ask, wouldn't it? I mean, if, you, if you're going into an environment where you know there's going to be one-to-one, uh, you know, touching and what have you, and particularly in the beauty sector as well, I suppose you'd have to sign something to say, listen, I'm aware there's a risk. I think that, like, that would apply to all businesses. If I take my daughter for a pair of shoes tomorrow and I'm going to sit there with somebody for, for 20 minutes, you know, there's also a risk attached to that yeah, as well. Yeah, of course, yeah. Um, I think that, you know, that would probably be down to the, the business, the individual business and the risk assessment that they might carry out. But we don't see any real, uh, you know, risk that's unique to our industry. Once these, you know, provisions with with the mask and, and with detailed consultation um and where social distancing can't be applied, for example, with a manicure, you're going to have your COVID screen in place there. Um, you know, there's some treatments and services that will be difficult, like a lip wax, for example, you know, where you're working around the mouth and things like that. Might your be eyebrows and more. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I suppose, you know, people are queuing up to get appointments because I'm particularly, I suppose, let's not be too sexist here, but women are dying to get their nails done, dying to get their eyebrows done and all sorts of carry and their hairs, by the way, as well. More so probably than men, although men are becoming quite vain nowadays. But I mean, yeah. how many jobs are going to be lost because of social distancing? Or can you see full employment back in the industry again? Well, from our perspective, urgent supports are needed from government because there will be an element that when we reopen, we won't be working at the same capacity and we will have to apply an element of social distancing. But, you know, there's over 30,000 people employed in our sector. That's enormous. And, um, you know, I think there was figures that were produced last year. Um, uh, I think it was like an estimated 4,000 beauty salons and spas in Ireland contributing a sector generating 540 million per annum to the Irish economy. Mm-hmm. That's larger than the the motor industry, I think. Yeah. So you know, um, that, that well, beauty is a big industry, important. big industry. Absolutely. And it's, it's kind of fueled by, public, by by people's image, I suppose, more so than anything else and, uh, and the media and everything else. But I mean, I spoke to two girls yesterday who were hairdressers and they work for one of the big chains and they were saying to me that they are refusing to go back to work 
under the social distancing guidelines and there's no way they're going to have a screen between them and their client. Uh, A, they figure it would be dangerous. It'd be too warm. Uh, Also, you know, wearing masks, they said, would be difficult in the environment they work in because it's too warm. You know, you'd need better air conditioning and all sorts of... And they just said it's just not doable and they're going to wait till all this social distancing is finished and then they go back to work. You know, a lot of businesses won't have that luxury. Um, A recent survey conducted by ISME concluded that as things stand, nearly 6% of businesses surveyed will cease trading. They're not going to be able to reopen. Um, I think it was a further... For the 5 or 6% then after that would only last for a month. And then after that, you're going up to something like 20%. We'll only be able to survive for one to three months. Um, 25% then after that would only survive for three to six months. So we have to adapt and we have to apply ourselves. Okay. And, and how long do you do you predict? I asked the same question to Patrick from the Eventers Association. How long do you predict social distancing will last? Or how long can your members and their businesses survive with social distancing because realistically the capacity to make money wouldn't be the same so you know can they survive on that? Yeah like it's going to be very difficult you know a lot of of our our members uh, you know when you're looking at the larger spas um, when they have to reduce their their um, you know relaxation areas and when they have to um, increase their their turnover times in the treatment rooms will be you know, mm. So a few a few months realistically, and we have to get back to some yeah. level of normality. Yeah. Will I be able to go for a swim, by the way? In a, you know, in one of these hotels that have a spa and a pool, and will I be able to go for a swim? Yeah. So we we've um, published very detailed and comprehensive guidelines. We haven't touched off that yet. Um, I think First Active had published guidelines in relating relating to pools, um, so and I mean, saunas and things like that. Yeah, where it would be quite yeah. warm. Yeah. Again, like you know, individual properties will have to manage social distancing and, you know, mm. that's difficult. <laughs> it is what well, it is well. going to be. It's going to be difficult for everybody. But listen, I wish your, your industry well and I hope uh, you all get through it. Thank you very much, Anita Murray, who's from the Irish Spa Association. Let me go to Mark Scott uh, Lennon, who's in the Dublin branch and chair of the Irish Hotel Federation uh, and the Kalini Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Good afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, Niall. Thanks for having me on. Uh, tough times ahead. You guys are all set to go for the end of June, I imagine, but it's going to be a tough one, isn't it, Mark? Uh, it certainly is. It's a huge um, amount of our industry is uh, from the international travel traveller. So we're very much reliant on the domestic market um, and uh, them supporting their local Irish hotel. Or well, yeah, well, a lot of people are saying to me now, Mark. I don't know. Not, I don't know about the Clanny Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel, but a lot of people are saying <laughs> to me that they're looking online to book hotels. And they've noticed a huge price increase. Is, is it a case um, that a lot of hotels, because they're limited by capacity, are going to have to charge a little bit more? Look, I, I can speak on on behalf of our hotel and our, our prices are actually cheaper than they were last summer despite the increased cost. Right, um, I'll, be o- I'll be over to you, so, okay. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. Everyone <laughs> come to Kalani. Okay. Uh, but, um, there is Although Matt Damon man, is yeah. gone, can I point out? Matt, Matt Damon is <laughs> gone. Well, we don't need to say that. But, yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, but no, there is there is unbelievable value to be had. Like, look on hotel websites, try book direct and, and shop around. There is great value. Um, and you know you can't speak to what an individual hotel might do with their pricing but there's certainly great value to be had um, But you have to deal with all the different hotels. aspects so you have a bar you have a restaurant you might have a pool you might have a gym you might have a sauna yeah, so have uh, you have a breakfast there. buffet so you're dealing with all the different aspects of all the different businesses in one business that must be a nightmare Um I wouldn't describe it as a nightmare, but it is. Uh, it's certainly interesting times. It, you know what we're really conscious of, and and many of the member hotels and IHF is trying to make it. You know, Irish hospitality is such uh, something we do really, really well, and we don't want people coming to our hotels and 
feeling unsafe or uh, feeling like they're in a hospital as well. So we're trying. That's to, what I'm saying. There's a balance, isn't there? Add, um, yeah, yeah. Like you don't want screens everywhere. You, 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 I mean, you don't want to take away the personal aspect of it you know, exactly. as well. You yeah, know, yeah, I mean, so you wanted to look. I mean, you don't want everywhere to look like you're visiting someone in prison. You know that kind of way. And exactly. that's, that's okay. So, what about you know standing at the bar where there's going to be social gatherings at a bar or a breakfast area? Or I mean, how is that going to be policed? Is there going to be a staff member telling everyone to keep apart two meters? And or, you know, yeah, or how strict well, will that be? Well, initially, we won't be opening the bars. Won't be open until the last phase. But um, when they do, we're we're going to be trying to restrict as much to. Um, table service um, with bar and remove all stools and bar counters uh, have social distance queuing and um, and, and manage as best we can um, okay. from, from that regard so you know we're trying to we're very confident in so when I walk when I walk into the hotel, I'm sorry to rush you, but when I walk into no the ho- into your hotel in the Kleine Castle Hotel, yeah. um, what what's going to be different now to this say this time last year when I walk in the door? I'll still walk up to reception, I assume, and I have you know I have a reservation, but there'll be a screen there, I'm assuming. Then, then will there? Uh, there'll be a screen. Right. Interesting. It's in the in the guidelines for release. There isn't a requirement for a screen, but it's certainly something I think the public will expect. And um, so you know we're we're doing it on our property here. But uh, to answer your question, coming in. You know, it's what people are used to now when they go to a coffee shop or supermarket. Will, will my room be have to be sanitised or something after I leave or something like that? Uh, right? Well, again, you know, we there's a lot of touch points in hotel bedrooms that we've we've been working hard on our procedures to make sure all the remotes and surfaces are all disinfected and cleaned and heightened uh, hygiene requirements as well as you know, again something that's not in the guidelines but that we've uh, decided to purchases a defogging machine so it'll right. spray uh, antibacterial uh, or disinfectant to um, make sure that can I legitimately steal can I legitimately now steal the slippers and the gown because nobody else <laughs> is going to want to wear them <laughs> exactly yeah 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 <laughs> You can in Kalani if you can stay here. Yeah. I can legitimately <laughs> steal them now. But look, it's going to be a tough time ahead for you, Gabriel. How long, as the same question I've asked the other two industries, or should I say, Mark, uh, how long do you think the industry could survive under the current guidelines of social distancing? Because clearly that can't be forever because your capacity is going to be limited. So how long do you think your industry could survive that? Months? Yeah, weeks? Years? Um, months, hopefully. Like the... That's what the government have been fantastic with the support so far, and um, the temporary wage subsidy scheme, and uh, the, the that's not going to last no. forever, Mark. That's going to be Ex- that's exactly. got to be gone so, soon. You know, once, yeah. once that ends, it's going to become very, very difficult. You know, if you take our hotel here, our restaurant, um, as an easy example, is a ninety-six seater restaurant with two meters social distancing. It's thirty-two seater, so that has a knock-on effect on staff. Uh, staff on uh, money we can make on the viability of us being open our function room can take up to 400 and with 2 metres we can take 88 people so like you know do do you think it's going to be reduced to 1 metre would that that be better for you if it was reduced to 1 metre yeah yeah if I I think it would be I think it makes sense Um, okay it's done in other European countries and it would you know, it'd be a nice balance. I think it's. A, I think it. I think for your industry and most industries like yours that we've talked to today, it's a must, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's it's hard for it's hard for us, as you mentioned, the the jobs. You know, we've got a team that we really want to get back to work, and yeah. and less of them can go back at two meters than can with one. 
So okay, we don't want to see them on the dole down. either, Mark. We certainly don't. We want to support Irish industry as well. It's very important. And by the way, you might be on the pig's back for a little while if people are not allowed to leave the country without quarantine. And so that might encourage people more so to go to the Killiney Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed. Mark Scott Lennon, who's from the Dublin branch and chair of the Irish Hotel Federation and also the Killiney Fitzpatrick Castle Hotel. Let me go to Gabriel Finn. Gabriel, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon, Niall. Now, you're part of the Coach Tourism and Transport Council and uh, basically the manager of Paddywagon Tours. Uh, you employ 11,500 full-time staff nationwide. Are you going to be able to keep employing that many people? Niall, we won't be able to employ 11 people um, at the restrictions they have. Uh, first of all, I'd, I'd like to say you know a few things. In relation to the private bus industry, we have over 11,500 full-time staff, which is twice both Bus Aaron and Dublin Bus put together. Yep. Spread all over the country. Our biggest problem in the tourism industry in Ireland is the fact that the quarantine. And I was very, very disappointed when I saw last night in Point Time, I saw Brendan Griffin on last night, who up to this point, I, you know, the government did, I, I think, to be fair, as much as they could do with the information they had. But he fluffed about Every question he was answered last night, and I was very disappointed in Miriam O'Callaghan, to be honest, because he answered no question. We need a roadmap of when we can get out of this um, quarantine. We have people asking us, are we going to be on the road in September, in October, in August, and we have no idea. Like, at this moment in time, a 53-seater coach can only take 12, 12 people. At the two meter distance, that's not viable to even do that. That is, is not it? viable. No, right at the like, what the, a lot of these people don't like. They, a lot of people around Ireland, might, they see the private bus industry as a bus coming up to the Ring of Kerry or the Cliffs Moor with you know fifty yanks on the bus. Yet the general people, uh, you know, the general population of this country don't realise that the private bus operator takes ninety percent of all school transport. Now, who is going to carry kids to school if we can, can't put 50 kids into a bus and we'll put 12? So how, more, how many kids would you normally have in a bus? 50? You could have 50, 50 kids in a bus. Right, okay, on, so on now you can have, and now you're allowed to have 12? 12. So in other words, you would need four times as many buses? Yes. So, and, where, and where are these buses going to come from? They're not. Well, you see, here, here's the thing, right? The CTTC, who was excluded by both Shane Ross. Now, Shane Ross, if I asked on him, we'd be here until tomorrow. Well, he's unelected. He's unelected anyway, so he's yeah, not going to be there much God. longer. Yeah. He was, you know, a disgrace. Yeah, he's on the way. But I was closed the door after you. Up, they set up a tourism task force with nobody, not one representative from the coach transport industry. They got representatives from the managing directors from Centre Park, no problem. People from Aer Lingus, the Air Aviation, Fall to Ireland, Tourism Ireland, not one from the transport industry. And it's a massive industry. It's a huge and part of the industry. We pay over $160 million in taxes to the government every year, this industry does. Our turnover is over $620 million, this industry. And look at the amount of money the government is giving into the state transport people who, like, to give you... A, a, a but but, but, but I don't want to rush you, Gabriel, but you're going to be hit hard anyway, aren't you, with the very fact that, you know, you're not going to have tourists coming to Ireland because of the quarantine, and, and you spoke about that in a second, right? A second ago. A lot of the tourist hotspots uh, are not opening, or if they are, they're opening with limited capacity, so that's going to reduce the amount of people who you can offload, you're American tourists, you can offload onto your bus and say, off you go into Guinnesses there, or whatever it happens to be. So that's all going to be limited anyway. So realistically, your industry is snookered 
until social distancing goes. So, we, you're, yes, but the biggest point we have here is the quarantine. If people, if people are going to start going back to this country slowly anyway, we can probably manage or live with one metre social distance for a short period of time. We can make that work everywhere because there'll be less people coming in. There'll be less people needed on the bus. There'll be less going to the attractions. But if people have to come in and spend two weeks here in quarantine... But they're not going to come. Not happen. No, they're no. not going to Why would you, want, why would you want to go to a country and spend two weeks of your holidays yeah. in a hotel? But they won't, they won't give us a roadmap to say, I understand the logic, but if they came back to us and said, right, it's 14 days until the end of July and the end of August, it's seven days, and then it's September, it's in. We'll have an idea. Well, I know, I know in the UK, in the UK today, I was just looking at the news coming in there a few minutes ago. In the UK today, they're now talking about the quarantine already and about removing it. And Boris Johnson has just vowed uh, to have long haul flights back to save the summer holidays, according to the yeah, Irish it, it, Yeah, and I understand that people's health and, um, uh, is very, very important. I understand that. Totally do. But if, we ha- if the quarantine is gone, we can work with the rest. We can make an effort with the rest. We can clean our buses, sanitize them like they do in the hotel. We can put the exact same equipment into a bus that is inside a hotel room out in Kalangi. We can put the same fogging machines and purifiers and all this. We can put them on. Yet nobody in the task force has gone along and asked us. I bet you if you ask the task force, can this be done on the bus, they will tell you they don't know. Yet we know we can do it. But nobody asked us and nobody involved us. And we're just okay, so ju- just just finally, so you're, obviously you're quite concerned, Gabriel, about you know the future for yeah. the tourism industry in this country and for the coach industry in particular, uh, and the drivers and the staff. I mean, so going on what you know now and the rules that have been implemented and the guidelines that are there now, obviously you want them changed, and I would like to see them changed for you as well. I think you're making perfect sense. But going on that, how many staff do you think you will be employing or that industry will be employing come September? I would say somewhere between 5 and 10%. And everybody else is out of work. And everybody else is on the dole. Right, okay. That's a very daunting, very sad thought. Listen, thank you very much indeed, uh, Gabriel. Thanks, I appreciate thanks, you joining us here. Yeah. There you go, Gabriel Finn, Operational Manager with Paddy Wagon Tours. And don't forget, by the way, if you've been affected, of course, by COVID-19 or you're interested in going on the air and talking to us about your industry or about how you're managing or coping through this, uh, please get in contact with us. You can contact us, Niall Boylan Show at classichits.ie. COVID Connections on the Niall Boylan Show. Classic Hits.